Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here. And just to let everybody know, from now on, we're going to be streaming on YouTube when we do Hot Routes. So if you want to pop in uh, on every Tuesday night is when we're planning on doing it. Hopefully our schedules allow us to continue to do that around 9 o'clock Central Time uh, every Tuesday night. So feel free to pop in and uh, watch us do it live. But of course, if you're listening on the uh, on the stream on uh, the podcast feed, then of course, we're happy to have you there as well. And we have done many episodes. If you want to go back and check out the show, we usually do it once a week. Uh, and then every once in a while, there's going to be some changes, I think, in the future where we're going to try to do a little more. So I'm excited about that. But we have a lot to discuss about this week in football. I have to say, uh, Jonathan, this this week in particular, I did not struggle at all for questions in our <laughs> five question hot routes format. Uh, in fact, I had to eliminate a few because I was like, this is this was one of the craziest weeks, I think. And like finally, after starting the season where Tom Brady was saying, oh, there's a lot of bad football out there. And I agreed with him. And there might be something to I'm going to concede a tiny bit. There might be something to no preseason limited amount of practicing what it looks like from the outset of the year and that it maybe takes a little while to get ramped up. But at this point, we are starting to see some super, super compelling football games. Let me just ask you off the cuff, Jonathan, what was your favorite crazy game? Because there were many of uh, the weekend. Ooh, uh, I think I would have to go probably with what we saw Sunday night, Green Bay, Philadelphia, those two teams having what the highest scoring first quarter of the entire season. And then just continuing that throughout Aaron Rodgers go, goes down and then uh, Jordan Love continues, continues it on at least for the next drive. And they keep it close. The Packers do with a 40 to 33 loss, but against a team that's nine and or 10 and one on the season. I think that was, that was my favorite one of the season or the game or the weekend was those two teams just going at it when you thought, uh, with how these two teams are playing and where they're at in the season, this might just be a blowout. But Green Bay really held strong and held serve against a really good Philadelphia team. Oh, when Philadelphia got up by a couple touchdowns to start, that looked like it might be yeah. just over with the way the Packers have played offensively. But it is the lead-in to our first hot routes question for my answer, which is Baltimore and Jacksonville. I thought that that game was over at 19 to 10 in the fourth quarter. I actually, I made a mistake. I actually fell asleep on the couch. No, it was, it was 19 to 10. I had been watching and I was like, ah, okay, well, you know, this one's kind of over and just dozed off. And when I woke up, 
I saw the final score and then had to go back and watch to see what happened. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened. Trevor Lawrence happened. A tremendous, tremendous comeback win against the Baltimore Ravens. And that is the one that sort of kickstarts the Trevor Lawrence hype again mm -hmm. that, you know, there's the number one overall draft pick, but then a really rough last season. A lot of the film watchers declared, hey, it wasn't really his fault. It was Urban Meyer. He's a rookie. And this year it hasn't been the best start, but an incredible performance to come back in the fourth. Overall, I looked up a bunch of numbers and his stats are about as average as you can be. He's 16th in PFF grade, 11th in big time throw percentage, 10th in traditional quarterback rating. Pretty much every stat for Trevor Lawrence is in the middle. Where do you think that Trevor Lawrence goes from here? Does he hang around as a middling quarterback? Does he improve? Uh, they did do a lot to help him, although I didn't know Zay Jones was suddenly a superstar. <laughs> he really uh, had an incredible game. I never would have imagined that from Zay Jones. In fact, when they signed him, a lot of people went like, yeah, really? Zay Jones? You're going to pay him, huh? Uh, but that one paid off on Sunday. But where do you think Trevor Lawrence's career takes him from here? You can really tell the Zay Jones haters uh, haven't been playing the Raiders on Madden the past couple of years. Uh, I think he takes the next step here. I mean, we've, we've talked about this the past couple weeks that it usually takes, it's usually that third season where these quarterbacks start to take that leap and he's only in his second season. And if you want to call it season one after what he had to deal with in urban Meyer last year, I'm okay with that too. But I really think he, he probably takes a step in continuing on your, your middling stat. He's 16th in QBR, I think, according to ESPN. So uh, just another stat that shows he's middling, but I like his head coach. Doug Peterson, you saw what he could do with Carson Wentz. He's pretty much the only guy to ever get anything out of Carson Wentz in his career. And uh, yeah, he got injured in that season, but he was having an MVP type season before he got injured and was leading and helped lead the, the Eagles to the spot where they got to the Super Bowl. So I think Doug Peterson's a good coach for a young quarterback. And what better young quarterback to take take to take and mold in his second season than the guy who had an outstanding college career at Clemson, the guy who had probably the most quarterback hype we've seen since or since Andrew Luck. And I think that they, it all depends on what happens this off season with the Jaguars. They don't have a ton of cap space. And in fact, according to over the cap, they're negative cap space going into this off season. So that'll be tricky. They'll have to figure out some, some accounting magic on their side. But uh, I think if they can continue to load up around him, get him, get him better receivers than Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, then he might have a chance to take that net next step uh, next season. But I think he, I think he gets there. I don't think he's going to hang around the middling. I don't think he's going to drop off. I don't think he's going to be a bust. There was just too much potential coming out of college. And he just seems like a guy who can put it all together and, and take that next step, especially with who his head coach is. And if they have a front enough or smart enough front office, I think, I think that next step will be taken next season. I think so too. And when you look at their record versus their um, point differential, it's kind of interesting because they have a better point differential than the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> and yet uh, they've lost close games. And we know this, and we've seen this, especially with the Minnesota Vikings this year, that when you lose a lot of close games, usually that kind of regresses. Teams tend to win about half over 100 games, but the seasons are only 17 games long. So from time to time, you'll have these spurts where it's close wins or close losses. And I think that what they've shown is that they can really play competent football under Doug Peterson and that he can build an offense for Trevor Lawrence. I think next year that if you're talking about like, maybe not MVP. I mean, it just feels like 
Patrick Mahomes is always going to be up at the MVP and Josh Allen's going to be there and so forth. But if you look at what Tua did going from a guy who was kind of in the middle and he had won some games with Miami, I don't think that anyone thought that Tua was terrible, but then all of a sudden they make the one big move. They get Tyree kill. They make the one big draft pick and go with Jalen Waddle. And he is a MVP candidate. I think that there's that potential for Trevor Lawrence. And just looking back historically, I wondered a couple of weeks ago, like, man, was it, you know, the New York Jets bailing on Geno Smith too early. And then everybody just sort of didn't see it with Geno Smith. And I looked at quarterbacks through their first two years and I just learned a lot. And namely that you really can't tell through the first two years that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of quarterbacks who struggled through their first two seasons, Matthew Stafford, Eli Manning, And even if Trevor Lawrence becomes a Matthew Stafford or an Eli Manning, those are quarterbacks that you can win with that have enough talent to build around Stafford. Of course, had only a couple of seasons where they built good enough teams and Eli Manning had about a seven or eight year stretch where they consistently built good enough teams. And he got two super bowls out of it. I think that there's an Eli Manning, uh, Trevor Lawrence comp here that maybe, uh, you know, Lawrence is a little more athletic as far as like foot speed, but he doesn't run a whole lot. He really is a a, a big-armed, tall quarterback who I think is having to develop on the fly here. And like you said, there's no way he didn't get stunted by playing for Urban Meyer last year, who might be the worst coach of the last 20 years. And he survived that with some confidence left Mm -hmm. to come back this season and play a lot of close games. Has not been perfect. There have been times where I've watched him where in the first half, I'm like, whoa, Trevor Lawrence is showing what he's got. And then the second half, you're like, huh? Or or vice versa. And even in this game, they had 10 points in the fourth quarter. And then he started lighting it up. But what I think you could potentially, if you're Trevor Lawrence, build on from that game is the confidence to throw some of those tight window and jump balls that a lot of times with young quarterbacks, they just want everybody to be wide open for them all the time. But he's got the laser. I mean, a couple of those throws were just magnificent. I mean, the... You know, the, the one to Zay Jones along the sideline, the one in the end zone to Marvin Jones. I mean, those are tremendous throws. I think they need to continue to build their offensive line, get their defense in order. Like you said, figure out a way to spend. But it would not surprise me at all if the Jacksonville Jaguars next year won that division and we were talking about Trevor Lawrence as a locked-in top-10 quarterback. In fact, I would actually be surprised if it went the other way. Because this tends to be the trajectory. Like, I don't think he's a Baker Mayfield. I think that his head is screwed on correctly. Mm -hmm. And if you could, again, if you could survive that hellacious environment, well, you're probably more mentally strong than, say, Zach Wilson or, say, Baker Mayfield. So that's been really impressive to me. I think he just has to trust his arm a little more. And going down the stretch, if they win four or five of these last number of games, or even like three the the last six games – I think they're going to feel really good about where they're at with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think this, if you look at it as last season was kind of a lost season, this almost feels, especially with the hype that came with Trevor Lawrence lat, or going into that draft two years ago, that this feels kind of like the season that we were all expecting out of his rookie season, that there are moments where it's like, oh man, this kid's got something. And then there are moments, like you said, where it's like, ooh, what, what's going on there? But I think if he can continue to develop, this kid's going to be something special. He's going to lead Jacksonville in a weak division. You look at the rest of their their division. Uh, the the AFC South is just it's kind of a dumpster fire at this point. You've got the Texans doing whatever they've been doing for the past decade. You've got the Colts who 
have Jeff Saturday as their head coach. Who knows how long that's going to go on into the future. And then the Titans, they feel like they're kind of teetering on that cliff, like that window is closing, or if it's not already closed, it's getting very close because that roster's, I, I don't know. I just don't know that Ryan Tannehill is going to be that guy. Uh, we're, or it's still out on their, their rookie quarterback, uh, Willis. And I don't know. It Henry's kind of getting it at that point for running backs where it's like, he's, you might need to figure out a different weapon. And if they don't have a different weapon outside of Henry, it's going to be really tough for the Titans to continue on. And it seems like that division's there for the taking for Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think it feels like it, it seems like it's all there for Trevor Lawrence to, to step up, command that division for the next decade and really put Jacksonville on the map among a very tough AFC quarterback list. I think it's really interesting about quarterback development and how I think it's been a long truth that if you let quarterbacks sit, you don't necessarily start them right away, or you give a little more patience for them to develop, that you are often rewarded. And that doesn't mean always. I mean, Sam Darnold never rewarded anybody. Uh, maybe this will be his year. He can win the NFC South. Uh, we'll talk about that a little <laughs> later. But now that would be one of the funniest twists and turns if suddenly uh, Sam Darnold got hot and led the Carolina Panthers with their interim coach to a division title because everyone else was so bad. There have been times throughout uh, you know, NFL history with bust first round quarterbacks where they kept giving the guy time and time and time, and it just never worked out. But I think what we've seen from Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is that both of them, it's justified to give them time. And you look at some of the recent quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts is a good example, Tua, Josh Allen, when did these guys emerge? It's in their third year. And so I think that just even showing that he is a competent NFL quarterback really bodes well for the future of Trevor Lawrence. I, it's, it's just very hard to see a scenario where with a competent, stable coach, he just falls off the map from here. But it'll be worth watching the rest of the way if he can carry over what he did against Baltimore because he's a guy that if you watched in college, you thought there's no way this doesn't work. I mean, this, this is mm -hmm. like if you built a prospect in a lab similar to Andrew Luck, that also comes with a ton of expectations. Um, and then, you know, of course, you're getting picked to a team that was the worst in the NFL, which sometimes takes a few years. So that will be something worth watching the rest of the way. Uh, the next question I have pertains to the lowly Denver Broncos. Uh, we go from the hype of the Jaguars to the bottom of the basement with the Denver Broncos. Nate Hack is a disaster. Look, if you have your defensive tackle, standing right next to you, screaming in your quarterback's face, and you just stand there and do nothing, you're really just not a head coach. Like, that's, that's pretty simple. Russell Wilson's a complete mess. I want you to tell me what the last team you remember that got as much love as Denver did for the Wilson trade, as much hype going into the season, and then they didn't just flop. They just completely did not even show up and play football the entire year. And Wilson, it might be a bottom five quarterback in the entire league this season after putting together a hall of fame or borderline hall of fame. I think he will get in the hall of fame basically for his entire career until last year when he hurt his thumb. And I think it was even reasonable to say, okay, well he was playing through an injury and that's why he was down a little bit, but then to go to the very basement is, is astonishing. So what's the, what's the last team that you remember everyone getting this excited about and then totally coming apart? I don't know about team. I read this more as like, what's the trade and the trade and how this played out almost is very familiar and 
kind of going back on your words here of just didn't show up. Uh, Antonio Brown to the Raiders didn't even make it to the regular season after the Raiders traded a haul to get him, I believe from the Steelers after he wanted out and he Antonio Brown just did everything he could to get his way out of out of Oakland at the time and away from John Gruden and Mike Mayock as at the time it was there in Oakland. And he just, I don't know, everything seemed to fall apart for Antonio Brown, but that, that trade, everybody was like, okay, finally Antonio Brown's away from the Steelers and finally into something where he wants to be. And let's see if, it, if this can work. And it didn't even get to the regular season. It barely got through preseason game number two at the time, if I remember correctly. So I think that one, was the first one to come to mind. The other one was Washington and RG3 trading all the picks that they could to St. Louis at the time who had the number two pick and they didn't need a quarterback because they already had Sam Bradford. That didn't work out for them. Um, But Washington trading all those picks to get RG3 and it just didn't work out. His game didn't transfer to the NFL. He couldn't stay healthy. And then he's out of the league after a couple of years. And Kirk Cousins is the guy uh, for, for that franchise. I think that was the one for me that spoke out the most on this, this question. Yeah. As far as like trades, I mean, this is a hard one to not go back to like Herschel Walker as far as biggest bus trades ever, considering how much they had to give up. Although uh, our local Minnesota Timberwolves fans might argue the Rudy Gobert (laughs) trade is starting to look about the same way, but uh, we'll stick to our, our football. Uh, I do remember if we want to go way back as, as far as acquisitions and hype and everything else, Um, Chicago, I think it was Chicago traded for Rick Meyer and, uh, they were like, oh, we're going to fix him and everything else. It was all, oh, Chicago's finally got their quarterback and that blew up in their face. But more recently would be the Philadelphia Eagles dream team. If you remember, they Vince Young, they had had a great season and, uh, with Michael Vick and he was in the MVP conversation. And now I forget who it was that they acquired in the off season, but they were like, oh, it's going to be scary. We got this guy. There's too bad. There's only one football to go around. Uh, you're going to have to check if you're looking it up for me, who it was that they acquired. Because they had, I think they had LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson. Like they had this really, really explosive team and then got one more player in the mix. And everybody was talking about how great that was going to be. And then I think Vic got hurt. And then, like you mentioned, maybe Vince Young had to come in and it just turned out to be a total disaster. So not always is the big trade. And uh, if we want the Vikings connection, Yannick Ngakwe was another one where it was a big trade. The Vikings are beefing up their defense with Everson Griffin gone, another pass rusher, and it just went absolutely nowhere. Um, there's a lot of examples. Like, one of the fun things to do is go back and look at how every team talked themselves into it in the offseason. Mm-hmm. That's, that's always a, a fun thing. But with Denver... It wasn't even like that. Like I was looking back when Davis Mills got benched at articles that said Davis Mills was underrated. It was just like, come on, folks, come on, let's use our little common sense here. Probably not. Uh, But with Denver, you didn't even have to talk yourself into it. You're like, this should be amazing. And, uh, and, and it is completely flopped. Did you find who Philadelphia got that off season? It wasn't even so much that they got anybody on the offense because they were already a pretty stacked offense with Deshaun or Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Jason Avant, mm. uh, Brent Selleck as their receiving options. They had uh, LaShawn McCoy and Ronnie Brown as their running backs. It was Vince Young coming in saying that because the roster around him is stacked. And I think mm. it was that offseason where they traded for Namdi Asamoah from the Raiders. And they brought in, I believe, I believe they brought him in Dominique Rogers Cromartie. So they had a stacked right. cornerback room with Asante Samuel, 
already there. So it, it felt like at the time, everything was gearing up for Philadelphia. I believe in the 2012 season, 2011 season for them to just take charge of that division. And it just fell off the face of the planet. So what do you think Denver does? I mean, is there any other option than firing Nate Hackett? I don't think you can leave him as your head coach. If they had gone 500 and they were like, well, you know, everybody had to adjust. It was new and Wilson kind of got banged up or whatever. The receivers got hurt, which was a big deal. It doesn't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett anymore, which I think played into Russell Wilson's later career success. But this is full on calamity. And guess what? You don't even get to use your first round pick yes. I mean, because you traded it away. So you're giving yeah. away your first round pick to the Seattle Seahawks who are going to be very, very pleased uh, come draft time. I, I don't see any other option from just firing Nate Hackett at the end of the year and saying, thanks, but no thanks. You're the, you came in as the offensive guru, supposedly, and you have through what, 12, 12 weeks of the season, you have the lowest graded offense, according to PFF. And yeah, I think they have to fire him. New ownership will probably want him gone because they'll want their own guy in there. Uh, and yeah, it just, when you have players yelling at you, you have sideline busts up, bust ups between players as well during a game. It just, nothing is clearly going right. Nobody wants to continue this season. Everybody seems like they just want out and they want away from everybody. Somebody new has to come in, take control of that locker room, take control of Russell Wilson and, and just tell him, look, look, we're not going to let Russ cook because clearly that doesn't work. We have to find a better way to play than letting you run the op- the offense because as we're seeing this season, that hasn't worked for Denver, and they have to find a different way, and I don't think Nathaniel Hackett's long for that job. Okay, I've got one for even more recent. Odell Beckham to Cleveland. Yes. The, the Cleveland fans really thought it was time, but they forgot just in the same way that Denver forgot to hire a coach with experience, maybe that was necessary here. <laughs> uh, but yes. also, and, and by the way, offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know, man, maybe it was him <laughs> like, or Matt LaFleur. I, I don't know. Could be uh, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't old Charlie Weiss. Maybe it was Tom Brady. Maybe it wasn't Josh McDaniels. Maybe it was Tom Brady. Like mm-hmm. once again, I don't know. Hard to say, but um, you know, w- with the Odell Beckham one, they put Freddie kitchens in charge. It's like, what, who, the guy yeah. who had taken over as the interim coach. I mean, I think you have to get experienced coaching for a team like that. And also, you know, the guy who's really justified here and and i don't know if he ever should have faced the amount of scrutiny that he did for not letting russ cook was p carroll yeah one of the things that we love to do and it's totally fair because there are a lot of coaches that do screw up things like say jeff saturday not understanding how to do the old t motion with his fingers <laughs> dude call time out and right. why are you running on third and three but um at the end of the game if anybody watched it why would you <laughs> I actually stuck with it and sort of enjoyed where it went because Kenny Pickett kind of turned it on and that was sort of fun. But um, the point just being that, you know, Pete Carroll, though, probably knows ball. Like mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of coaches that I think you don't give any benefit of the doubt to sometimes when criticizing them. You got to go. There probably is a reason. He's known this guy since he came out of the draft. He named him the quarterback right away as a third round pick. He's, he's known him forever. There's probably a reason why Pete Carroll thinks that running the ball and doing play action with Russell Wilson is really a good plan. And I mean, gosh, without 
without uh, much of a running game, if any running game at all, it's Latavius Murray out there now. And without receivers who can go deep down the field and make plays on the ball. I mean, Wilson has lost all ability to run around yeah. and scramble and dodge tacklers. And he's, he's just a shell of himself. But I think some of those weaknesses were covered up by the play action and covered up by the scrambling ability that Pete Carroll probably understood. You have to really get certain defensive looks for Russell Wilson to succeed. And maybe the whole idea of just, you should throw all the time uh, doesn't really work for a reason. So just, you know, Pete Carroll has got to have a big smile on his face uh, after that. Although we didn't mention as far as craziest games from the, the weekend was certainly that one. And that leads into our next question. Josh Jacobs, had one of the best games by a running back I have ever seen in my life. So not great for Pete Carroll's run defense. I think we can reasonably question (laughs) that. Uh, 300 plus yards combined between rushing and receiving for him. If this was 2003, the United States of America would be losing its mind for Josh Jacobs right now. (laughs) This man would have commercials. He He would have his own airline. If you went for 300 yards, I mean, everybody would be talking Josh Jacobs nonstop after that performance. But since it is 2022, it's like, oh, a running back? Guess so. Who cares, <laughs> right? We don't care about running backs anymore. But if we did, who would be the premier franchise running back that everybody bought their jersey, that got a new stadium built? Like back in the day, the Barry Sanders is all the way up through like Ladanian Tomlinson. And then somewhere around 2010, it all seemed to disappear when it came to the running back fame and stardom, but who would be deserving of that hype? If it were 2003, you got to think a guy like Derek Henry, who, as I, as we talked about earlier, kind of starting to get north towards the edge of that cliff. Past couple of years, he would have been absolutely the guy. Just his size, his presence on the football field, the stiff arms of just throwing other grown men across the field with one arm. Uh, he would definitely be that guy. Uh, Nick Chubb in Cleveland, the way he runs the ball, would probably be up there as well. I think a guy like Tony Pollard doesn't get enough credit, and the Vikings saw that a couple weeks ago. His incredible speed. He's behind Ezekiel Elliott all the time, but his incredible speed, the way he's able to pull away from from defenders. I think that guy deserves something along those lines as well, because he is fun to watch. He doesn't get enough of the ball. I think in that offense, if he played more, the Cowboys would be even better because Ezekiel, it's just not the same guy. He was two, three, four years ago. I think Tony Pollard should be running back number one in Dallas and his speed the other, the other week. And I think that should be the guy in Dallas. Yeah. uh, I agree with that. Um, I think that there's, there's something along the same lines of how, we kind of just, everybody gets a little group thinky when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Like Ezekiel Elliott's crazy overpaid, but I think that when you only play half the snaps and it's in favorable situations, it probably helps you in terms of yards per carry. Fair. But my gosh, the guy's a star. There's no question. He's a yeah. star. Like he can go downfield and catch the ball. He's incredibly explosive. There is something too when Ezekiel Elliott slams through a bunch of people and yes. gets like five yards. It's like that's nobody likes that. Uh, when the other team has somebody running in that way. But Pollard, I agree, he would be making a ton of noise. There would be way more of a controversy, probably, oh, yeah. if this was 20 years ago, where we'd be talking all the time about uh, you know, the running situation in Dallas. Now it's kind of like an afterthought, like, oh, yeah, Pollard should play, but like, who cares? Um, <laughs> right. I think that there are two guys, you named one of them, 
that would be just Madden covers and all mm-hmm. the attention and all the commercials. Nick Chubb is number one. This guy has 11 runs this year of 20 yards or more. The next best has seven. I mean, he is averaging 5.2 yards per carry. He's putting up like in Cleveland. This is the last time they get to talk about their greatness. Jim Brown numbers. Not really. I mean, a little Bernie Kosar mixed in, (laughs) but averaging five yards a carry fairly consistently. And the funny thing is that teams are playing so much too deep safety. We don't care if you run the football that there's a lot of running backs who are having tons of success this year, even to the point where if you're averaging over five yards a carry, you're approaching being similar to an average quarterback's adjusted net yards per attempt, which is kind of crazy. Like you're not quite there, but you're getting closer if you're averaging over five yards a carry and that's Nick Chubb in Cleveland. So he would be getting all of the shine there. I think the other guy is Saquon Barkley because it's a winning team and it's Mm -hmm. a winning team without a great quarterback Barkley. It's in New York. I mean, he deserves that shine for coming back from all those injuries and playing extremely well this year and being the centerpiece of their offense. Again, this would be like this guy's winning MVP, getting all the attention like that would that would be happening. Who is the last running back to be like that in the NFL? Do you remember? I think I think I have I think I know, but I'm trying to think like Derrick Henry is as close as it gets for sure for getting all that attention. And uh, Delvin Cook to some extent, but probably lesser than him. Nick Chubb, nobody even knows who that is unless you're a right. fantasy player. Um, so I, th- I think it's probably Adrian. Adrian, yeah, it's got to be probably the last one. Yeah, it's got to be Adrian Peterson. I mean, he's the last, I think, non-quarterback to win the MVP, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, and the last running back to win it specifically. Uh, I He's got to be the guy, Adrian Peterson, for that question. But also, I want to know what a guy like Christian McCaffrey would be thought of back in 2003, just with his his versatility, not just a running back, but also being able to play in the receiver role, just being able to spread him out, throw him wherever you need to on the offense. A guy like him would be an incredible deal. It should have been an incredible deal back in 2003. Well, I could tell you Eric Metcalf in 1993 was, uh, he was that guy. So there were, there were players like that who would move into the the slot, but you know, not very often. I mean, there have been very few and with McCaffrey, it's always kind of been failure to launch since his first, handful of uh, seasons where he was really terrific, like you mentioned, and he could be a slot receiver. But with McCaffrey, it's just been one injury after the next. Mm-hmm. And I even saw last week, he was a little banged up and was like, man, when he's healthy, he is so good. But that's, a, I think that's a good comp. If he, if he returned kicks and punts like McCa- or, uh, Metcalf did, then McCaffrey would uh, be able to check all those boxes. Uh, all right. Next question for you, the NFC South. Do we have to talk about the NFC South? Yes, we do. Because it You're is a wrote the horror question. show. This is, I mean, this is worse than when the seven and nine Washington football team made the playoffs with Taylor Heineke and then almost gave Tampa Bay a little bit of, uh, of a run for their money. I mean, I, I'm just uh, aghast at what has happened in the NFC South. So my question for you is, First of all, what's the funniest possible scenario in the NFC South that could happen? Because it's just comedy from here on out. And then also, should the NFL stop rewarding division winners? And this is a leading question because the answer is obviously yes. Yes. Your thoughts? Uh, I think the funniest scenario is one you brought up earlier. I think it's the Panthers charging back from what would have been the number one overall pick and winning that division and looking at their schedule it is entirely plausible. They have the Seahawks. They have the Steelers, Lions, Buccaneers, and Saints to finish their season. 
if that doesn't scream a team that's going to go on a run that believes in their new interim head coach now that they're all free of the Matt Rule reign, I don't know what else needs to happen for that to happen. But I think that's the most that's the craziest, but also most plausible thing that could happen in that division because it just doesn't seem like the Buccaneers are ever going to put it together this season. It's very stop start with them, and it seems like since they got rid of Matt Rule, the Buccaneer or the Pan the Panthers are a completely different team. I mean, two of the last three they've won. They they beat the Broncos. They beat the doors off the Broncos this last weekend. I think that's a team that could go on a run and you know take that division because no one else is there. A game out of the of taking that taking a hold of that division. Why couldn't it be the Panthers at this point? The Sam Darnold Panthers, him coming off the bench after being the third quarterback and injured for most of the season Mm -hmm. and then totally redeeming himself by getting them to like seven wins to win the division would be absolutely hysterical. Uh, I've got a few more scenarios that are funny. Like if New Orleans got fed up with Andy Dalton and didn't want to go back to Jameis Winston. So they were just like, Taysom Hill, it's your turn to shine, brother. (laughs) Prove it. And then Taysom Hill took them to the playoffs. I mean, really? How many more wins do you need? Like three, if you or four, uh, there is a, here's another funny scenario that would make everyone angry, but it's Tom Brady on the last day of the season, throwing a fade route or something to get them into the playoffs to Mike Evans. And then we all go like, Oh man, they only won eight games and they're in the playoffs. It's so sad. Brady, you got divorced this year. You're just an old joke. Why don't you go listen to an eight track? And uh, then he wins the Super Bowl again. Like oh, that, like come on, come, come on. on. It's a funny scenario. Like the whole season long is just this miserable, horrific slog for this unhappy rich man. And then he gets to the end and just flips the switch and goes nuts and wins the Super Bowl. Don't tell me it's impossible. It's possible. It would happen. It would be the most Brady way to end your career is just lead a miserable team to the playoffs, just drag them through the season and get there. And, and going back to my answer earlier, I looked up the rest of the schedules from the NFC South. Uh, Yeah. The, the Panthers have the easiest one down the stretch by far. It's the easiest. I think it might happen. I'd put some money on this maybe. And, And then, you know what Carolina will do? They'll go out and they'll hire the top college coach or something. Like just, (laughs) I mean, Nick Saban wants out of Alabama, right? The, just whatever, whatever for the hype. Uh, has anyone ever fallen upward like uh, Matt Rule, though, into an eight-year contract of which Jeez. pretty much you could bet the over-under for that is like, like two and a half years that he actually lasts yeah. there? I don't know. Um, people people say he's a really good college coach, but I don't know. Like, Can you unring the bell of what just happened? Probably he got not. a seven-year deal out of college to go coach the Panthers, and everybody looked at their new owner at the time like, why are you giving a college coach seven years and – well, everybody else was right. The the Panthers owner was wrong. So him getting long contracts is baffling to me, considering what just happened. Plus coaching Nebraska. I mean, many have tried. All have <laughs> right. failed. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last question here for you, Jonathan. The uh, It is almost bull season in college football. And anybody who knows me knows one thing about me and one thing only. Other than that, I like Diet Dr. Pepper. They know that I love bowl season. You know why? Because I barely watch college football all season long. I'm usually busy on Saturday. And then in bowl season, I watch every bowl I possibly can because it's on TV like 24-7 for a several-week span. So I can't get enough of it. I get 
unreasonably invested in the absurdity of bowl season. But here's my question for you. I want you to look at the upcoming NFL schedule and give me ironic bowl games for a couple of games that are coming up for this week. Just make up a bowl game for NFL teams. Uh, this one's going to be Green Bay at Chicago. It's going to be the QB2 podcast bowl because it's just going to be two backup quarterbacks going against each other. Uh, shout out to Roger Kim says he's playing. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know, man. Why even, why even do it? You're, you're already out of the, out of the race. Just see what you have in Jordan love, because you're going to have to go to him next season. Cause Rogers ain't coming back, uh, for, for Tennessee and Philadelphia. It's just beat your head in bowl, because that's just going to be a physical, just beat down. And the rushing yards, as we said on the purple insider podcast the other night is going to be somewhere North of 500 yards at that point with those two teams and how they play. I think those are the two that jumped out right away to me. Yeah. There's uh there's two games that I consider just calling it the bull LOL, which <laughs> yes. I mean, is there a worse matchup in the history of the universe than Jaguars lions, but also Browns Texans. Like yeah. these are the four least competent franchises in the history of the United States of America. When throwing around pigskin, are playing each other this weekend. So I think that's great. Uh, we mentioned Vince Young earlier, the Vince Young bowl between uh, the Titans and Eagles. That's a good one. Yeah. I, that, that is, yeah. I mean, that's um, that like the random, random former player matchup is pretty good. I was struggling on my own question to come up with anything better. Cause I mean, there are some, some interesting matchups coming up for this week, but uh, this is a slate that is kind of lacking in pizzazz. Bill's Patriots is good. Vikings and jets. Other than that, though, I mean, yeah. just not a lot. Joe Buck lot and Troy Aikman. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman might fall asleep on Monday night with New Orleans, Tampa Bay. I mean, yikes! It's it for the uh, South, Jonathan. What do you mean? Uh, the most exciting game is on Thursday night when it's Buffalo, New England. That's probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Chiefs, Chiefs and Bengals. That for too, sure. Yeah. yeah, I think is probably up there as well. Miami, so, um, Fran- San Francisco is probably up there as well. So. But nothing like the whatever Cheez It Bowl or something or the uh, Beef O'Brady Bowl. Nothing the quite Duke's like Duke's Mayo that. Bowl. Um, yeah. So Chiefs Bengals is definitely the highlight of the week, um, other than Thursday night. Dolphins 49ers is good, though. So I, I shouldn't underscore this completely. There's some good matchups, but there's a lot of bad ones Colts, Cowboys, Rams, Seahawks. Colts, Cowboys on Sunday night football. Are we are we doing this on purpose to the primetime games of just giving them bad matchups. I think this year more than any other year really tricked the schedule makers. I mean, they thought the Packers would be good. They thought the Broncos would be good and they were extremely wrong. I think we're also also learning that the, the protection of the flex games of games that can be flexed and can't be flexed. I think those rules might be a little too strong because a game like chiefs Bengals or dolphins 49ers shouldn't be, on a random Sunday afternoon, that should be Sunday night or Monday night. I don't think, I think protection, I think protecting those games is a little weird, but I get it from TV, TV broadcasters wanting, wanting good games, but also you're the NFL. You have the most power of any sport wield it and tell those TV networks, look, this is good for all of us that we put the best teams at the best times where no one else is playing and no one and everyone else is watching and instead we're having Indianapolis and Dallas play on Sunday night. And we're having New Orleans, Tampa Bay, both teams that are just dumpster fires play on Monday night for national TV audiences. That's just weird to me. 
You're right. You're the NFL. You could do literally whatever you want. I mean, on a, at a moment's notice, they moved a game from Buffalo to yeah. Detroit and just played it somewhere else at a different time. So yeah. <laughs> like you could do whatever you want if you really want to. And, um, oh, we never circled back on the, uh, the, the whole divisional thing, but I think oh, that it, I think it happens enough. And especially with a 17 game season that some division is just a tire fire that you shouldn't be guaranteed a playoff spot mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be guaranteed seating. The seating should just be one through seven best teams. It should not be that a team can win seven games and get a three seed where another team can be out of the playoffs with potentially eight or nine wins. I mean, that just makes no sense in any universe. And I don't know why it still exists this way. That should have been changed after Washington made it a couple of years ago. The league loves to react to a thing happening and then they change. Why not this? I mean, right. this, this should be like the straw that breaks the camel's back that it's very possible that one division can just bleep the bed and uh, they should make that change. So I don't know if they will because they want to like hang fake banners. Oh, we were NFC South champions. Yeah. Don't ask what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think they should just do away with the seating by conference as well. Just go the 14 best teams. And if it's two AFC teams in the Super Bowl, who cares? It's the best. It's literally the best matchup. I would have rather had the chiefs and bills play in the Super Bowl last year because of how that game played out in the playoffs. I want that in the Super Bowl. Why should we be prevented from watching that in the Super Bowl because they're in the they happen to be in the same conference and with how powerful the AFC is going to be over the next decade they need to make that switch because you're going to have some of these best some of these great quarterbacks have very little chance of getting through because they have the likes of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and some of these other guys that are coming up in front of them I think that they should just do away with conference seating and just go the 14 best teams in the NFL and just seat them one 14 two 13 and so on and so forth. And just whoever are the two best teams, whoever make it through that playoff, get to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Conference, division, whatnot. Yeah, I think that um the whole tradition thing, uh, there's something to that. You know, the yeah. old NFL and the AFL and all that. And, you know, there's always been the two conferences, but I don't really care about that. I want the best teams to play. Yep. I, I I feel the same way as you. I mean, it's it's like it gives you sort of a discussion talking point of how you compare to the teams in your division because that's who you're battling for. But aside mm-hmm. from that, I don't really see the point. Like, why? It helps for scheduling. Other than that, don't don't use it for anything else. Right. I mean, if you're the team that's sitting home and you're watching a seven-win team play and you have yeah. nine, you're like, we were way better than them. Like, yep. two wins is a pretty big gap. We were way better than them. And they get to play in the playoffs simply because they were in the worst division of football. That is just not appropriate. Um, so anyway, well, this has been another very fun episode of hot routes. Uh, again, if uh, you're watching on the live stream, then check out the podcast feed. We've done a number of episodes throughout the year. We usually do it once a week. So we're going to stream them. You make it uh, appointment viewing if you want here on YouTube every Tuesday night. So Jonathan, thank you. And Jonathan, you have a little homework to do on our initial graphic. You only put my name while you are the co-host of this show. This hot routes with Matthew Collar and Jonathan Harrison. Okay. All so right. we'll do that it. Uh, going forward. So thanks everybody for watching on the live stream and for listening as always. And we will catch you next time.